Welcome to Church in the Valley on Sunday morning, everybody. Why don't we all gather in and grab your seats if you're on Zoom. Thank you for joining us on Zoom. We're, uh, we miss you. We hope you we can see you in person pretty soon. Um, but as you're filing your ways over here, if you're in person, you can pick up your uh, connection cards, uh, your uh, service little packets with pens and stuff like that, all over there on the connection table. Uh, you can find them also online at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. Uh, so go ahead and check that out. But as we gather together, there are so many, so many great things to be thankful for. Um, and we're not going to name any of them here, but, you know, if you know, you know. But uh, we are super excited. So we're going to sing praises to our God and just rejoice and thank him for all that he has done for us and the many, many great wonders he has shown.
Good morning, everyone. Go ahead and take a seat. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We are just so glad that you are here joining us this morning, whether that's in person or online, or whether you're even watching it later. Just thank you for worshiping with us here at Church in the Valley. In case you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Rickert. I help out with our service teams here at Church in the Valley. Um, now, if you're a guest with us this morning, we want to give you an extra special welcome and let you know that we have a gift for you. It's a book called How Good is Good Enough. You can go ahead and pick one of those up over here at our resource table. And that's really a, just a thank you for joining us here this morning. Um, so you can take that for yourself or for a friend. And again, we're just so excited that you're here with us. Now, when you came in this morning, or if you're watching online, we'd really love you to fill out one of our connection cards. That should be in your program, or you can find that at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. And really, that's just a way for us to hear what's going on in your life. We really encourage you to write down prayer requests. Let us know what's going on in your life. If you're interested in finding out about our groups here at CIV or about our service teams and how you can participate in those, you can just mark that on your connection card. Um, and we will get that information to you. Now, towards the end of service, you'll notice these tan buckets around the courtyard. You can go ahead and drop in your connection card there, as well as any recycling you have um, or your, uh, your tithe, if you would like to as well. Now, as you've been hearing over the past couple months, we have been collecting our Christmas offering. And that's just the offering that we pull together um, throughout December and January to really celebrate the gift that Christ gave us in his son by giving to others. And for that, we had a goal of $20,000 that was going to go both to local and international ministries. And I believe we're gonna have a slide up here with those ministries. Um, some of them are, again, across the globe in Europe, as well as um, some local ministries as well. So our goal was $20,000. And as you guys know, 
we actually exceeded whoa way exceeded that so i yeah let's a round of applause for that that's that's amazing so i we just want to say thank you so much for all of your generosity um, to the church on a regular basis and also towards this special gift that is going to those uh, ministries. And as we mentioned, because of the financial position that we're in as a church right now, the church is going to actually match this $27,000 and $27,042. And that's going to go towards our sister church, CIV Ontario Ranch. They recently actually were able to lease a building. So they've been setting up and tearing down for the past 30 years. They were able to lease a building and are going to be doing some construction on that. And we really wanted to bless them and encourage them as they have blessed and encouraged us over the years. And so we're going to be giving a special gift to them. So again, your, your, your generosity is just multiplying. So thank you guys so much. That's really just um, wonderful. Now we're going to go, I'm going to go ahead and pray for us. And then um, Jeremy Walker is going to come up and speak after a few more songs and continue our message series on the journey of life. God, I just thank you for the generosity of the people at this church, just for your love throwing, flowing through them um, out into the world. And we just pray that you'd use that money to bring many people to know who you are and to experience your great love. Just pray that you would really speak through Jeremy this morning and through your word, that you would really uh, change our hearts so that we would obey your word and experience the blessings from that. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. It was just three words, but it changed my life. Just a childlike truth that consumed my mind from my life's first breath till the day I rise. All I need to know is this age-old Jesus loves me, this I know. Jesus loves me, this I know. I won't forget the Bible says that he loves me so. It was just three nails held him on that was not restrained. He was there by choice as he gave his life for a world he loved. So the earth replied in this age
He's on your side. He goes before you. He's beside you. He guards your rear. As we sing these songs, make this a prayer to your gracious and protective and loving Father.
rest in your presence, rest in your arms, and rest in the security of a good and gracious and loving yet all-powerful and all-knowing God. We're so grateful that we get to stand before you in your presence and draw near to your throne of grace when we need to find help. I pray that you would speak your word to us through Jeremy, that we would listen and understand and receive it, and let it take root in our hearts and produce fruit in our lives. We love you. We give this day to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, welcome, everybody. My name is Jeremy Walker, and um, I help with the First Impressions team here at Church in the Valley. And then throughout the week, for those of you who don't know, I work on staff with the college ministry at USC called Christian Challenge. And uh, yeah, some of you guys have heard of that. Um, so at the very beginning, uh, as you guys are walking in, Victor ambiguously alluded to some things that we should be grateful for, uh, in life. And he said, if you know them, you know them. And so, you know, a couple of those, one, it's Audrey's birthday today, by the way. So we're excited about that. Um, and then last night, some of our own got engaged, uh, Romano and Sam over here to my left. So if you're one to share that with everybody, I'm sorry, I did, um, but uh, hear their story afterwards. So uh, today we are in part two of a four-part series that we started last week uh, entitled The Journey of Life. And last week, my dad talked about uh, the need for fresh starts. And for some of you guys, that may be fresh starts in a relationship. For others of you, maybe it's a fresh start in a job. Maybe it's a fresh start in some health things, or maybe it's just something else altogether. And then for some of you, uh, maybe it's a fresh start in life altogether, where you decide for the first time uh, by the grace of God that you're going to step into the kingdom of God and enter into a personal relationship with the king. And as we talked about last week, the kingdom of God is not just heaven. Although when we get to heaven, the kingdom of God will be fully present there. But the kingdom of God is wherever God is ruling and reigning, where his will is being accomplished. And since Jesus came to earth, the kingdom of God has been getting bigger and bigger and pervading more and more of the earth throughout history. And eventually when history wraps up, the kingdom of God will be fully present in heaven and everyone in the kingdom of God will be in heaven. So therefore the kingdom of God at that point will be heaven. But access into the kingdom of God is available now. That was the good news that Jesus came to share with us. 
as it says in Matthew 4, 17, it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Which by the way, whenever you're reading in the gospels and you see that phrase kingdom of heaven, or you see that phrase kingdom of God, those are really basically the same thing, just used interchangeably by the authors. You know, that used to confuse me and maybe it has you, but, but now you know as you're reading the gospels. So, But Jesus' good news was available to anyone, whether they're rich or poor, whether they're male or female, whether they were very smart or not, regardless of their race, they could finally, after thousands of years of waiting, they could finally have access to the kingdom of God. But how? By repenting from their current way of living and placing their trust in Jesus as the only one who could pay for their debt of sin and as the one who was really most qualified to lead their lives. Romans 10.9 says it this way. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. Jesus' death and resurrection, as we talked about, paid for our sins and gives us access to live in the kingdom of God if we place our trust in him. As we talked about last week also, the more you begin to understand and experience how amazing life is in the kingdom of God, the more you will want it more than anything else in the world. When we realized that before Jesus, we were living in a kingdom of darkness, ruled by Satan. And since we've stepped into the kingdom of God, we live in a kingdom of light, where the king is very kind and he's very uh, loving to us, King Jesus himself. And when we realize and experience that, the more we realize that we will want it more and more. And we will begin to see Jesus' invitation to live into the kingdom of God, to live under him and to learn from him, and to do life with him, we will see that not as an ought to invitation, but we really see it as a you get to invitation. And where it says in the Lord's Prayer, you know, in Matthew 6, 10, where it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The more we experience the kingdom of God, that will not just be something we recite or something we read in the Bible, but that will really be the deep cry of our hearts. Because what could be better than the kingdom of God pervading every square inch of our world? So let's say that you repented and placed your trust in Jesus and have stepped into the kingdom of God. That's great. That's awesome. Now what? That's what we want to talk about this morning. What are the next steps after you've chosen to do that? Well, there's a couple options. One, for some, you know, do you sit around and just decide, I'm just going to wait until I go to heaven. I'm just going to sit here and wait for Jesus to, to bring me up there. You know, that's actually what some first century Christians thought and they had to be corrected on. Um, or do we go through life just living however we want, not thinking about God or his kingdom the rest of our lives until we die? Unfortunately, that's also a thing that many people today uh, have chosen to and misunderstood and chosen to live out of. But as you read in the scriptures, that's not what Jesus taught, not, nor is that what the New Testament uh, authors taught either. And then another question for you is, why is it that when we step into the kingdom of God, we don't immediately get, you know, zapped right up into heaven where God's kingdom is fully realized rather than we have to stay here on earth and we get to live in God's kingdom, but it's not God's kingdom as it fully will be in heaven. It's a little, little more hidden, a little less in your face. Well, I think the answer to the reason or the question of the, so now what, is also part of the answer to the question of why we don't go straight into heaven when we place our trust in Jesus. I think in the kindness and the wisdom of God, he knew that we couldn't handle the culture shock. And what do I mean by that? Well, according to Oxford languages, the definition of culture shock is the feeling of disorientation experienced by someone who is suddenly subjected to an unfamiliar culture, a way of life, or a set of attitudes. Now, if you've ever traveled to other countries, uh, which I'm sure many of you guys have, you, you've kind of experienced a little bit what culture shock is like. Um, you know, different languages, different customs, different foods. I know when I've traveled to different countries in, in Europe or in Africa, uh, I experienced a little bit of culture shock. And the interesting thing about that is what really is disorienting and very different for us when we travel there, the natives of those countries just call normal. Now, one of the ways that people really prepare themselves to have less culture shock uh, when they go into a new country is they is by familiarizing themselves with the new culture and the customs before they get fully immersed in it. 
And so in the kindness and wisdom of God, I think he allows us time on this earth to step into the kingdom of God and to learn to familiarize ourselves and get acclimated as citizens of his new kingdom before we are fully immersed in it in heaven. Not because his kingdom's any worse. Actually, it's far better. It's just very different. So what does it look like to get acclimated as a new citizen of God's kingdom? I think it involves at least three things. One, I think it involves getting to know and enjoy the king. And I think it involves learning to do life with people in God's kingdom. And I think it involves aligning our values and ways of living with those of God's kingdom. And all these kinds of things are going to be happening sort of simultaneously as you're in the kingdom of God, but we'll take them one by one this morning. So first, getting to know and enjoy the king. You know, one thing that's true of every single kingdom on this earth, whether it's a democracy or a dictatorship, is the inaccessibility of the top leader to most of that kingdom's citizens. And yet, in the kingdom of God, God, who is the king of all kings and of all kingdoms, allows his citizens 24-7 access to him all the time. And he's not an airbrushed king who's got polished speeches and video editing so that he looks better than he really is. You know, many, many of the kingdom leaders today, you know, they're, they're good from far, but they're far from good. Um, but Jesus is one of those kind of kings that the closer you get to him, the better he gets. As we get to know him personally and intimately, you get to experience that. Now, if you decide to step into the kingdom of God, chances are you've obviously gotten to know some things about the king already. Otherwise, you wouldn't have wanted to step into his kingdom and you would have wanted to follow him. But it's kind of like when I got married to Katie. You know, I didn't know everything about Katie before I said I do, but I knew enough about her that I wanted to say I do. And since then, over the past almost 13 years, I've gotten to know her and enjoy her a whole lot more. And with God, you could spend a lifetime getting to know him and you would just be scratching the surface. And so as I've been on the journey of kind of getting to know and enjoy the king myself, there's been several things that have really begun to help me in that. Uh, one is spending time with other Christians who know him better. Usually these people are the ones who have, have their kingdom of citizenship, you know, ID a little bit longer than I've had. And as I get time around them and as I observe them and I, as I ask them questions, I learn more about the king. A second way is when I spend time with the king, enjoying and admiring his creation. For me personally, my favorite place to do that is at the beach. Um, although a park or the mountains would do in a pinch, but I like the beach the most, you know, and, and every time I go to the beach, I just love getting to talk to God and enjoy, you know, his creation. And one of the things I try to do and remind myself of whenever I go to the beach is the truth of Psalm forty twelve, when it just says that God is so big that he holds the entire ocean in the palm of his hand. But the primary way that I've been able to really get to know and enjoy the King over the years is by spending time with him while reading and talking with him about his words that he's written to me in the Bible. And for me, you know, and I'm sure for some of you guys, it's the same way. This started off slow, um, but like I said, he gets better the more you spend time with him. So at this point in life, I tried to spend a little bit of time every morning getting to know and enjoy him in his word. Not because I have to or because I ought to, but because I want to. And then there's parts of his word that are really applicable and helpful to me of what I'm going through right then. And so I try to memorize those and I memorize them. So I really have them in my mind and my heart so that as I'm going throughout the day, I can think about those things. And then with God's help, I can really act out of those things. And so one of the habits I've tried to develop is trying to, you know, memorize about at least a verse a week, just so I continue to get his word in my life. And if you've never developed any of these rhythms of getting to know God and spend time with him, I'd encourage you, you know, talk to me after service or talk to someone else here at church that has these rhythms somewhat in their life and ask them, what does it look like for them? How have they practically begun to do that? And I'm sure they would love to talk to you about that. And I would too. And so as I'm beginning to get to know and enjoy the king as a citizen of his kingdom, there's some different things that I've begun to learn about him that have really helped begin to shape the way I relate to him. And so I want to share a few of those this morning as, uh, as just a sample of that. For instance, one, one of the things I've learned about getting to know and enjoy the king is his commandments and the way he talks about how to do life, they're not arbitrary or they're not capricious. They're burdensome. They're not just like, uh, yeah, do this today. You know, 
Um, but they're really given for one of two reasons, for our protection or for our provision. In Psalm 19, the psalmist is talking about this very thing uh, when he's talking about God's commands and his words. And he says in verse 10 and 11, he says, they are more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. See that phrase, by them your servant is warned. That, that's protection. God's commands can really protect us. And then in keeping them there is great reward. That's provision. I've also learned just from personal experience of getting to know God and getting in his word, and from parables like the prodigal son in Luke 15, that God delights in me. He doesn't just tolerate me. Now, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I appreciate people that tolerate me because frankly, I can be intolerable at times. Um, but honestly, if I'm being honest, I don't go out of my way to spend time with people that I think just tolerate me because that's just not attractive to me. But delight in me, those are the kind of people I like to get time around. And one of the things you notice about when you are in the kingdom of God is there's no one who will delight in you more than the king himself. And then the third thing I've learned about the king is he is much more patient and kind than I expected him to be. But he's also someone to be taken seriously. In Lamentations 3, 23 and 24, 3, 23 and 24, it says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God has a fresh amount of patience and a fresh amount of love and kindness ready to pour out on us every single day. But he's also someone to be taken seriously. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, he says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, what he's saying is, guys, don't live out of the fear of man or out of just this people-pleasing mentality. Rather, take, have a healthy respect and take me seriously that when I say something, I mean it. And I can make good on what I say. See, God is not a tyrant, but he's also not Santa Claus. You know, where he's like, well, you know, you should do good, but ah, shucks, you're all going to get presents. You know I mean? Like, that's not God. He's actually a patient and kind father who knows what's best for us. And he knows that our character becoming more like his is much more important than our delirious comfort. And the second big part of getting acclimated as a citizen of God's kingdom is learning to do life with people in God's kingdom. Now, if you've stepped into the kingdom of God, one thing that you've noticed um, is this filled with a lot of imperfect citizens. Am I right? I mean, you look around, there's not exactly perfect people walking around God's kingdom all over the place. And that's because they got their citizenship the same way you got yours. Not based on perfection, but based on accepting the free gift of forgiveness that Jesus offers and choosing to really follow him by placing their trust in him and not letting him lead their lives. So as you're learning to relate to people in the kingdom of God, don't be surprised if you see a lot of imperfect people walking around his kingdom. They're on the same journey you and I are on of learning to get acclimated as citizens of that kingdom. Now, there's a lot of things we could talk about as it relates to relating to people in God's kingdom, but there's two specific aspects of it that I wanted to talk about this morning that's going to take some time getting used to in his new kingdom. And the first is this, you know, in the kingdom of God, we are called to use our resources and giftings for the benefit of others, not just for ourselves. Now, some of that way of doing life has seeped its way into other kingdoms around our world because of the influence of the kingdom of God, but that is not the predominant norm in most kingdoms or really any kingdom in the world. Most kingdoms still operate out of a mindset of really leverage what you have for you and your own and squeeze whatever you can get out of others for you and your own. But in the kingdom of God, the normal way of relating looks like Philippians 2, 3, and 4, where it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Or in 1 Peter 4, 9 through 10, where it says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Proactively leveraging our time and our talents and our resources and our money 
for the benefit of others, that ought to be the norm in the kingdom of God. And we can really do that without fear of really being ripped off because we know that the king is going to take care of us either directly or through others. And in fact, I think the more the citizens of God's kingdom get acclimated to this way of living, where what's on my mind is how to really serve you and what's, your, what's on your mind is how to really serve me, the more that I think God will probably choose to work directly through other people to meet needs rather than have to do that just by himself. The second aspect that will take some getting used to when it comes to learning to do life with people in the kingdom of God is the vast variety of people that are in it and realizing that we can have even closer relationships with those people than we have with blood relatives. The apostle Paul in describing the kingdom of God in Colossians 3.11 says this, he says, here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Now what the apostle Paul is not saying, he's not saying there's no variety in the kingdom of God. What he's saying is that regardless of your ethnic background, whether that's Greek or Jew, regardless of your cultural background, whether that's circumcised or uncircumcised, and regardless of your social or your sin or your economic background, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, we are all equal and we're all united in the kingdom of God under and around King Jesus. Now, other kingdoms of this world, like the United States, have glimmers of that but it's never gonna be achievable in those kingdoms because there's some things about those kingdoms that are not true like it is of the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, Jesus is supreme and he is working in and through everyone in that kingdom to achieve this. So in the kingdom of God, we have to get used to relating to all sorts of people, which is great, but it can be a challenge because frankly, most of us are kind of more comfortable relating to people just like us. That's why so many people are moving to Texas, you know? Um, and not only that, but many of us are much more comfortable being open and honest with blood relatives, and we are much more used to depending upon um, them helping us to get through the ups and downs of life rather than leaning into people in the kingdom of God. We're much more standoffish and on guard with people that are not just family. But Proverbs 18, 24b says something interesting. It says, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You know, in the kingdom of God, it is possible and it oftentimes necessary and beneficial to develop even closer relationships with fellow citizens than with blood relatives who aren't in the kingdom just yet. And that doesn't mean we don't love those family members or that we aren't close to them. What it means is that we just learn to have intimate and interdependent relationships with people more in the kingdom of God. Now, in order to acclimate ourselves to this new way of doing life with people in God's kingdom, practically, we're going to have to do at least three things. Show up, join in, and be real. You know, we can't do life with people in God's kingdom if we aren't around them. So we have to show up. Show up on things like, you know, church on Sunday or community groups throughout the week or just learning to get touch points and do life with each other individually throughout the, throughout the week. And then when we're together, we have to join in, you know, looking for ways to serve one another, looking for ways to learn from one another, and then looking for ways to encourage one another in our walks with God as we're journeying through the kingdom of God. And then finally, we have to be real. We don't have to act like we have it all together, because like we said, no one in the kingdom does. We're all in the process of learning to live up to this high calling of our new citizenship in this new kingdom. So we wanna be growing, but you wanna be real. Uh, the author and pastor John Ortberg once said, a person will be loved to the degree that they are known. So in being real, learn to be appropriately open and honest. And when, someone, when something goes wrong in a relationship, clear up that relationship and be real. You know, the kingdom of God is not a country club where you have really polite manners and you're very, you know, uh, kind and polite to everybody, but under the surface, you're just boiling. You know, the kingdom of God is actually one big non-dysfunctional family where people are honest. And when there's something that gets messed up, they clean it up and they clear it up. And as a result, relationships are a whole lot better. So in learning to get acclimated as a kingdom of God's 
are a citizen of God's kingdom. We want to be getting to know and enjoy the king. We want to be learning to do life with people in God's kingdom. And then thirdly, we want to learn to align our values and ways of living with those of God's kingdom. Fully adjusting to life in God's kingdom, that takes a while, as in like a lifetime. Um, But over time, it becomes more and more comfortable and actually becomes preferable. But it's an adjustment from an old way of living. Like how to relate to your spouse in the kingdom of God or how to parent, how to go about your work or how to handle your finances or how to handle your thought life or your work or your words or how to relate to leaders over you or how to be a leader in the kingdom of God. And when we step into the kingdom of God, our values, which is really what we hold as really important and the prioritization of those values are still very much aligned with the old kingdom that we stepped out of, the kingdom of darkness. So we have to learn to change our value structure and learn to begin to align it with what God says is true of his kingdom in the Bible. And sometimes, sometimes we just have to throw out some of our values altogether and get some new values. But not to worry because the king is going to be with us every step of the way as we're doing this. And not only that, but there are three particular commandments that God gives in his word that really serve as sort of a template to know how to go about life in the kingdom. And they, they're really helpful because they can, when you're confused or when you're losing your way, you're feeling overwhelmed, these three will sort of serve as a template to point you on the right track. I call them the big three, and they are the great commandment, the great mandate, and the great commission. Now, the big three help you do several things, help you to know several things. One, they help you know the boundaries uh, we are to live within. They help you know what we're to be doing within those boundaries. And then they help you to know where we're to be headed. So they help you know the boundaries to live within, what we're to be doing within those boundaries, and where we're to be headed. You know, when Jesus was asked by the religious leader, leaders of his day, what was the greatest of the 600-plus commandments that the Jewish people had at that time? His answer was this. He says, the greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets, which is just another name, by the way, for saying all the Old Testament hang on these two commandments. So these two commandments of loving God and loving people, they really form the boundaries for everything that we do in life. So if something you're thinking of doing or something that someone encourages you to do is ever outside of the boundaries of loving God and loving people, we just choose not to do that because those are very high values in the kingdom of God. And throughout Jesus' life and ministry, one of the things you see that he did is he fused these two commandments where they were basically two sides of the same coin, where you couldn't love God without loving people. And if you were wrong by people, you, you were wrong by God. And so he put these two commandments as sort of the boundaries for everything that we do in life. And then the great mandate helps us to know what we're to be doing within those boundaries of loving God and loving people. This is found way back in Genesis when God first created humanity and before sin ever entered into the world. Speaking to Adam and Eve, it says, God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the earth. So what are we to be doing within the boundaries of loving God and loving people? Essentially, we're to be multiplying and ruling. Now, for those that God leads into marriage, one of the things he wants you to do is he wants you to have kids. And then he wants your kids to have kids. And he wants your kids' kids to have kids. And then he wants everybody to come together and rule over the creation that God has given us. We're to take care of the animals and the resources that he gives us, and we're to utilize those to build loving communities of people. Dallas Willard, who was a philosophy teacher at USC and a a brilliant Christian author, he, he once said this, he says, the aim of God in history is the creation of an all inclusive community of loving persons with himself included in that community as the prime sustainer and the most glorious inhabitant. And while the great mandate is still something we are called to do, if you haven't noticed, it's gotten a little bit harder to do ever since sin entered the world, which is why Jesus had to come. 
And just before he left earth to go back up into heaven, he gave his disciples a big job to accomplish in the midst of living out the great mandate. And that's what we call the great commission. And it's found in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So see, while the great commandment gives us the boundaries that we are to live within, and the great mandate shows us what we're to be doing within those boundaries, the great commission shows us where we're to be headed. We are to go into all people groups around the world and help them step out of the kingdom of darkness and help them step into the kingdom of light, God's kingdom. And then we're to help them acclimate to life in the kingdom of God by teaching them to obey everything that God commanded them. Now, if this sounds both exciting and scary, that's normal, because it is. <laughs> um, it's a huge task, which is why Jesus reminded us also in the Great Commission, I will be with you the whole, the whole way, every step of the way. So within the boundaries of loving God and loving people, we are to take care of and rule over the world that God has given us while multiplying and creating loving communities with God at the center. And if sin had entered the world, that would be it. That would be what we would be living out. But unfortunately, sin has entered the world. So we can't stop right there. So as citizens of God's kingdom, we're also to go throughout all the earth and help all kinds of people step into and get acclimated to life in the kingdom of God. And this, by the way, is the other main reason you and I don't go straight into heaven when we decide to place our trust in Jesus, because God wants us to join him in helping other people step out of the kingdom of darkness and step into his kingdom and to grow. It's a huge privilege, but it's also a huge responsibility. And how to go about doing that is actually something Jeep's going to talk more about next week. So you want to be here for that. So let me pray, and then we'll invite the band back up. Father, um, thank you that we get to live as citizens of your kingdom. Thank you that we uh, are not left here just to twiddle our thumbs or wonder what to do until you decide to take us up into heaven. But God, you make very clear in your word some things that you want to be true of our lives while we're in the kingdom. And thank you for your kindness that you... Um, don't have us go through such a massive culture shock from stepping out of the kingdom of darkness and into your kingdom. But you really are gentle and patient with us and let us get to know you and experience life with people in your kingdom and learn to really adjust our values and our, our way of living to a much better kingdom as a result of that. God, and I pray that uh, wherever along that spectrum people are, whether they haven't stepped into the kingdom yet or they're just getting more acclimated into it or they're wanting to begin to figure out how to really help others step into that kingdom, would you help them begin to take next steps in that and help them begin to grow? We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Jeremy. Again, if you do have next steps, I encourage you to think about those and meditate on those. Um, as Jeremy said, if there are some things you feel like you need to get traction in it in your life, um, on how to do certain things, ask, ask somebody, um, and I'm sure they'd be happy to help. But um, you guys can fill out your connection cards as well as we sing these songs about building our lives and focusing our lives, um, dedicating them for the purposes of what our Lord has called us to do. Um, would you stand with us and sing as you feel comfortable?
surrender our lives to you and our hearts to you, God. You sent your son down to die for us, that we get to step into the kingdom, Lord. You transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of your everlasting son. And in him, we find redemption, the forgiveness of sin. We thank you for this truth. We thank you for your word. And we pray that this would not just be ideas in our heads, but that these would be patterns and ways of life that we go and live out for your name and for your glory. So give us the power, give us the strength. We can't do it without you, and we love you so, so much. We thank you, and we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. We'll see you next week.